Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. Against all conceivable odds, Warner Brothers and DC have somehow done the unthinkable and delivered a true cinematic experience. Joker. This episode contains a spoiler for the film, Joy. Here's the short journey to where we are tonight. A long time ago, I want to say it was more than a year ago, we got news that for some reason, the Warner Brothers machine that had made such a horrible mess of all of its DC properties, uh, with some movies that succeeded and others failed, audiences hated most of them, but they liked some of them, so they're going to keep some of them connected, but others not, and they've got... Batman, but Batman's changing, and everyone loves Wonder Woman, but they hate Batman, and what the heck is Suicide Squad and Jared Leto's... Man of Steel really sucked, huh, Mike? It was good. And some of them are good. Mike likes Man of Steel. And in all that, for some reason, the news comes out that, hey, the guy who made The Hangover is going to do a standalone Joker movie, but it's not at all connected to any of these other movies, and it's only about the Joker. And everyone said... What? And Martin Scorsese is attached some way. Yeah, he was at that point uh, a producer, but I don't think that he ended up seeing his production credit through. But he was involved in getting it off the ground and greenlit by Warner Brothers. And you're like, what in the world? And then shortly thereafter, they announced that Joaquin Phoenix had agreed to, signed on to play the Joker. Now, that was really surprising because Joaquin Phoenix is an eccentric fellow who famously declines roles that could... uh, uh, accelerate his popularity one of which is he famously declined to play dr strange in the marvel cinematic universe um, because he doesn't want to have to play him more than one time well he's too busy killing people with a hammer in a different movie yeah exactly he chose to do instead movies like you were never really here indie kind of great yeah it was great it was so great he doesn't like to do sequels he doesn't want to sign on for more movies he has kind of like one of those uh, I mean, this sounds like a pretentious thing to say, but true artist vibe about the act. You know, he takes his crafts very seriously and all that. So, I mean, seeing him recently on Jimmy Kimmel, I'd say maybe he might be on the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I say that that's, that's a great um, summary of his career where he is on another level where it is more of a craft for him. Yeah, he cares. If you look at the landscape of Hollywood actors, there's only a few select names of actors who are taking this seriously and why I, I imagine they would all be offended to hear me hearing me say that from you tyler has spoken <laughs> who, who else is on that list for you tyler LaBeouf. i think of well shia labeouf mm-hmm. is taking it pretty seriously Heck he's, yeah. he's trying to elevate fan of the show but uh joaquin phoenix in my opinion is on the level with like daniel day lewis or philip seymour hoffman yeah. where they're 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 they have a craft and they're hmm. committed to it yeah I agree. Agreed. And Joaquin, though he seemed to take roles more readily at the beginning of his career, is now in a place where he seems like he can be more selective and he chooses to be selective. You know, like a Benedict Cumberbatch is also a well-known and not a joke of an actor. And he was like, heck, yeah, heck, yeah, I'll play play Doctor Doctor Strange, Strange, you know. Mm. A lot of uh, actors, freaking Robert Redford showing up in these Marvel movies, they're like, I want to get on on some of that's cool. He's like, no, thanks. I don't want to play. And who can really blame him? Because, you know, maybe he got a memo from Marvel and he was like, oh, interesting. And then he's like, what? The guy with the freaking cape that's Mm -hmm. alive? I don't know, guys. Cloak. Cloak, whatever it is. No, it's called a cape, isn't it? The cape cape of of truth. 
No, that's that's freaking Wonder Woman's lasso. <laughs> <laughs> so that seemed interesting. It's like, whoa, what did what? So that's what we talked about on the show. We're like, it seems like everything's going against it before you hear the name Joaquin Phoenix because Todd Phillips doesn't seem like the obvious choice to direct a serious movie about the Joker. A standalone, he was already saying in the very beginning, it's going to be a standalone character piece sure. about th- how this person became the Joker. And you're like, the hangover guy? Really? That's weird. The guy who made the Gigi Allen movie? <laughs> Which he did, by the way. His <laughs> yeah. first movie mm-hmm. was the Gigi Allen documentary. Right. Hated. Hangover is, um, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's a well-made film. Yeah, yes. Be that as it may, doesn't still doesn't seem like the hangover guy, really? Right. So because that's not really what you're appreciating when the film <laughs> plays out. The audience that the hangover pulls in is not they're not there to appreciate the directing. Yeah, usually no. They're not there for usually. alter theory. Yeah, so then but then you're like, "What?" And so that to me made it seem like if walking against all odds, against the mess that DC has made, cuz at this point it's fully a public joke. DC and yeah. Warner Brothers collaboration is a mess. They know it's a mess. They're just outright saying, well, look, we made a mess. But it's still making heaps of cash. Heaps of cash, for sure. <laughs> but it is a joke. But somehow, DC, Warner Brothers, and Todd Phillips pitched something to a script to Joaquin Phoenix that he was like, oh, okay, okay yeah. And I was like, what? That's interesting. Well, even even more impressive to me is, is whoever wrote this or came up with the concept of a dark gritty weird but like almost artistic feeling film for joker like someone came to the studio and said let's do a movie that feels like paul thomas anderson but about the joker and they said okay fine (laughs) whatever That's at this point, yeah, like uh, someone uh, had the vision for something like this, and the fact that these guys even wanted to take this on because right now, before this, like the Heath Ledger Joker is like one of the most celebrated villains in comic book movies, if not the most celebrated villain in comic book movies. And they're like, I think we can, I think we can do something with that. It's like, why would you even touch that unless you just really thought you could do it? Right? Because when was Dark Knight? Twenty twelve. Is that right? No, no it was way oh, it's 2008. Rises. 2008. Okay, so within a, within the last decade, one of the best. <laughs> I really appreciate how firmly you said that, birds like you know. I just remember where know. I lived. Um, it's before you lived. I remember where I lived. Oh, okay. <laughs> like That's you're good not, to know. You're That's good 11? to remember. There's a lot of questions here. Yeah, I just think it's really brave to, because like you said, it is one of the, arguably one of the best. I think, and to say, yeah, let's take that character again and just do a completely different thing. Like, take out the fact that he's, like, this chaotic, evil psycho and just build this story about how he, like, descends into further and further mental health and psychosis to the point where he incites, like, a citywide riot. That was awesome. I don't know if he incited... He you guys are shot. so ahead Robert of everything right now. Shot mm. him in the face. Matt's already talking about the final <laughs> moments of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got past the intro. <laughs> for God's sake. I was just excited about it. So, so get on with himself. it. Well, I was, I was trying to. What I'm saying Make is some that... some introductions here. Huh? 
I I need to get us to the the point that this movie is actually out. <laughs> now we're interested, curious. The trailer comes out at this point. You, if you listen to you have movies, you know we don't usually watch trailers of any movie that we might even see. No, but we'll watch trailers for movies that we need to prove to us that it's worth seeing. Exactly, yeah, like a morbid curiosity. So the Joker comes along, and Tyler was on the forefront of saying, like, "Look, I'm just going to watch it. I don't even care." Oh wow! He was saying, you know. It, he needed more convincing because on paper the whole thing sounded so bizarre i needed i needed more to persuade me and his correct me if i'm wrong the quote that he sent back to us to get us to watch it was the trailer is better than any existing dc movie yeah the trailer was the best thing dc had ever created (laughs) even more than aquaman <laughs> How could it possibly be? <laughs> this is the, this is the teaser trailer that we're talking about, and it is a very well cut trailer. It so really we watched is. it, and then you're sold. Like the trailer is the level of <laughs> quality in the production, in every aspect of the production, is on full display in that teaser trailer. It's a great trailer. The visuals are off the charts good. The tone is i think effectively communicated the trailer promises you a movie going experience that is very exciting almost to the degree that it felt like we're probably getting too excited for this movie it promises you a piece of cinema which is an absurd thing to think about when you're thinking about a comic book character but that's what it offers you. that is that is how it feels you watch it and you go this is something different this is this is higher level art than just another super because you're right it does it feels like a pta film or like a scorsese film you're like what how is this possibly about jack napier or the unnamed red which is which is great timing that we're saying this because scorsese just recently came out saying that the marvel cinematic universe is not proper cinema oh he did yeah yeah Around is right, <laughs> and then everyone gets on the internet to fight about it. I'm like, man, Cat this old sound. who this old man said he didn't like those movies. Who gives a crap? Yeah, he makes good movies. He's they make ancient. good movies. Yeah, he is well old. And they're like, oh, he whatever he says is true because he's him. I'm like, yeah, well, that's not even the true. small amount of influence he had on one single comic book franchise film is better than the rest. Yeah, I'd like to know exactly what his. Uh, Involvement ended up being by the time that it was. All you think Todd Phillips like, I want to make it like like your movies. Yeah, he was hey, like, remember all the sure. movies you made before all the people that you pay to act for you got old. Yeah, when they were like young and still had their own hair. And he stuff. said, "They only I just make all of them." <laughs> you have to put Bobby De Niro in it. Yeah. Okay, sure. So right. wait, but I can put Bobby De Niro in it like as if the King of Comedy had worked out good for Bobby De Niro because that's what I want to do. Bob. So the <laughs> Bob the Bob. movie finally comes ar- along, and again it feels like the with the promise that the trailer made is not a deliverable thing, especially since. Uh, so you watched the trailer and went, "That was great," but th- there's no way the movie can be that good. I don't know that if I was actively thinking, but part of me was like, "That trailer is ri- nowadays it's not that hard to make a trailer look great." There's look at Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Case in point, trailers, you Same know, with the right comic book someone people. who's clever and knows how to sync the right, the exact right musical choice to sure. the right amount of subtlety. And I think of the trailer for. Um, Joy, the film. It's a great trailer. It's a fantastic trailer. Wait, the Mop movie? Yeah, the Whoa, movie's just okay. Spoiler. <laughs> Write down spoiler no, for Joy. It's in the trailer. No, Mop movie is not in the trailer. There's actually a connection. She's, she's holding a shotgun in the trailer, not a mop. Really? Yeah. 
The Joy was directed by David O. Russell, who also directed The Fighter, yeah. which was written by Scott Silver, who, who co-wrote wrote Joker, Joker <laughs> okay, with Todd Phillips. So there's six degrees of anyway, separation. Anyway, that, that movie was like, oh, I like this. I don't even really know what that's about. It seems like a real cinematic experience I'm being promised by the trailer. Then you go see it, and you're like, it's fine. But the point is, you can make a good trailer, and people do it deceptively. So right. It's literally the job of the trailer house to do that, well, to get yeah, people to see it formulaic. and come and pay to see the movie. It's formulaic. Trailers are formulaic, but even this one, as much as you kind of can tell there's a formula there, is it rises above that. It's, it's better. You can tell there's substance here more than just the formula of this trailer. Sure. At the very least, the visuals that the movie promises, you're like, if the visuals that are in this trailer are in the movie, right. yeah. at least that would be right. amazing. Yeah, the way it's lit, the quality of even his like suit that he's wearing, his the production. busted up back. Yeah, his his when he's like horrible anemic his, appearance. Yeah, yeah, his distorted, grotesque at times body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah his gross old body. Yeah. <laughs> saggy, saggy old. Yeah, his awesome jaws. Yeah. So finally, the time comes. The movies here. There's all this controversy around it already. Everyone's it's like becoming a political debate the whether or not people. Blah blah blah. So there's a lot of yeah. talk. We, we all survived. go see the movie. We're still alive. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's go around the room and say... Oh, geez, we're just now? Yep, finally now. Abby's on the show. She saw Joker. At, were you excited about this before we went? You were I excited was, enough yeah. to say, she's like, I'll actually go to that one. She doesn't often go with the whole group to see the movie. She was so excited that the day before, she still hadn't managed to find a sitter. But she did. We Head came up. Yeah, I was excited. I saw all the trailers. And it looked good. And I saw the movie. And it was good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a single complaint. It lived up to the trailers. Not yeah. a single complaint? No. Whoa. I don't think. Maybe, maybe we are too picky. Well, maybe we can see if we can find one. Huh? Yeah. Maybe as we go. Yeah, yeah. I don't have we'll, the we'll movie going down. complaints that a lot of you guys have. It's hard being cinephiles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she loves the movie she loves. Patrick. You saw long-time Batman mm -hmm. fans, mm -hmm. long-time... You love Batman long-time? I love, love Batman <laughs> long-time. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, yep. Wow. I got a big laugh, Abby. <laughs> it was funny. You correct me if I'm wrong, The Dark Knight in particular, which is another Batman film that features the Joker heavily, is one of, if not your favorite movie? It is. It's my favorite movie. Oh, wow. Yep. Dang. Spoilers okay. for Patrick's top 10 episode yeah. that we're never going <laughs> to so record. Even that is a big conversation with this film is the the performance of Heath Ledger yeah. in The Dark Knight is something that's just left an impression on everybody all these years later. And it was very good. The post-humus uh, Oscar. Yeah. Oh, posthumous. Posthumous. Do post you? I thought you were talking posthumous. about... Old chickpeas. The... Uh, <laughs> The fact that, <laughs> that Leto tried to reinvent Joker and now we're doing Joaquin with a very similar vibe of Joaquin's Joker to yeah. Ledger's Joker. How do you feel just about them doing Joker again? Uh, I love that joke. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be the kind of thing where every 10 years somebody's like, I want an Oscar. I'm going to try to do this character now because there's been two at this point, great performances have been, and then one guy kind of messed up. But yeah. talking about Jack, uh, there's been three. No, talking oh, about four. I'd say Ledger two excellent and ones. Joaquin are excellent. What about yeah, Jack like, Nicholson? That's what you're saying. Jack. That was fine. Jack Nicholson, even though Jack. 
Oh we grew up with that movie and watched it religiously. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it bad? Nowadays, people go nuts for the Nicholson performance, and I think that it's it's somewhat obligatory. It's almost like, yeah. you know, if you ever, this is, here's a mere thing for you. If you ever look up lists of, like, best Godzilla movies ever, every list will always put the original Godzilla film at number one. But I'm like, really? Right, you're just doing that because, like, you're obligated to. Yeah. Because the, Nichol- the, the Nicholson one. performance is great. It's fun and it's, funny. It's the but same hammy performance as like the Batman movies we don't like, but the yeah. rest of the movie is whoa, so whoa, whoa, dark it's, and tone. It's Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. <laughs> oh, good. Grief. Go back and watch that first Batman movie. <laughs> it's pretty silly what he does. Nicholson's oh, yeah. Joker is closer to like the what's his name, the Caesar, Caesar. Yeah, 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 Romero, Caesar, yeah. yeah, from the show. Right. He's more of like the pranky. It, like over right. the top clowny, yeah. yeah, and they just but made with him a gangster twist, yeah. yeah. So anyway, Patrick, yes. Why don't you speak first about this Ledger Phoenix comparison? How do you feel about it? To compare them? Well, just the fact that Phoenix is even taking on the role. Well, like they were, they were friends, right? Yeah, yeah, they were buddies. So, I think it's it's cool. You're okay this with it? Doesn't I'm make okay any sense it. to me that it's like comparing. Like, what do you think about? Uh, you know Henry Cavill's performance as Superman compared to you know Chris Evans' performance as Captain America. Like I guess I mean like they because you're saying these they're so disparate characters. It's they not like they they're fundamentally the same part. invented different characters. Yeah, I don't think that this movie would have. I don't know if this movie would have existed if it weren't for Heath Ledger's performance yeah, in fair. The Dark Knight because he made this character where everybody's like. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, everyone stopped and paid attention. Yeah, like he's like the cool part of the movie, and like this, there's no backstory, and there's all these crazy things, and then you realize there's a cool character there you could do a lot with. Yeah, and they just kept going with it. Like, that's great. Yeah, I think, so I think that's think, fair. What do you think of your review? I think that's Joker totally though? fair. Heath Ledger <laughs> paved the way for this film. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think so. And I love this movie. I thought it was great. Well, to be fair, Heath Ledger, yes, his performance is amazing. And it's great. It's the best. It's the, the reason to watch that movie. The movie's great, but it's yeah. the reason to watch the movie. For sure. But to be, sound like a nerdy butthole, all depictions of the Joker pre-Heath Ledger uh, are were semi-frustrating for comic book fans because the Joker of Batman comic fame yes. was often depicted like the Heath Ledger's Joker. Right. Alan yeah. Moore, who wrote Watchmen, has a famous Batman series called The Killing, the Killing Joke. Joke. Yeah. That is not exactly like Heath Ledger, but it, it it's like a mentally unstable and right. psychotic kind of chaotic Joker and less of like a hoo-hoo, I'll spray you with a flower. Yeah, like the, yeah, the, re- the reason that he knows Harley Quinn is because she was his shrink in Arkham. Like, he was a mentally ill psychiatric patient who was... Yeah, but uh, it almost in some ways is, yes, he's mentally unwell, but in the, at the same time, he's also very f- familiar to, like, the comedian in Watchmen, where he's just nihilistic and cynical. Oh, yeah, for yep. sure. And he, for he, sure. he goes so far into his cynicism of the world that it becomes a joke. Right. So, yeah. like, if you take the mental unwellness and the instability of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Right. And then like let, cause he just fully lets go and embrace like everything must go. He lets go of everything, sure, everything becomes this crazy person, right? This crazy uh, criminal at the end of the movie. And then if you were to razor focus that for a while, then he, it seems like he could turn into that Heath Ledger Joker at some point, like the yeah. focus. I have I my own mythology now. Sure. Now this is how I'm going to go about it. Like this is a prequel. 
It's a prequel. No, it's I not think helpful to think of yeah. them as connected no, but, at all. Uh, but I, I no, saying. I'm not. I'm it's not. I'm saying story. that. Yeah, it's like an archetype. Yeah, you know. Right. I think that for me, the way I watched it, it felt like I was watching a very. Wait, is good Matt here? Is Patrick done? Is Matt here? We haven't heard Patrick's review of Joker. Oh, yet. I love. Yeah, he said he's already said. I loved it, it twice. Okay, really now Matt's here. Right, now, let's see thanks, what Matt Tyler. Plays. Felt to me like I was watching a very well-made, well-written character study that happened to be about a comic book character. Like, to me, I feel like you could have... There might have been stuff that was lost if you didn't have, like, the iconic imagery, like, you didn't have the clown stuff, you didn't have the makeup, but even if you took out the fact that it was the Joker, this still would have been an awesome movie, looking at this guy losing his mind in nineteen, the early 1980s in, like, a grody city that's falling apart with, like, weird racial tensions and... Class... Like, class... class system yeah, tensions. class system and... Um, I think it could have been a phenomenal movie and it just so happened, in my opinion, to be even better because it's about this character that I love. Yeah, that's interesting. On the way there, Patrick and I were talking and I, I was actually thinking along those lines and thinking like, it almost seems like a shame. This is prior to seeing the movie. My opinion changed post-movie. Prior to the movie, I was thinking like, it almost seems a shame to have to have to connect it to this existing character because if it's really going to be this is just uh you know like musing about what it could be if it's really going to be just this character study about a person who goes crazy and because why not just make it a movie about a person who goes crazy right and the obvious answer is because now you've got no budget no major studio backing mm-hmm. and no you know like it has to be this property to elevate it to a big budget it's just, blockbuster you're, it's just saying so much about the world that we live in today yeah, it's, a, it's just it's a shame it's a, so that's often just that so tragic we get crap but in this instance, it right, but it turns really out great. to your to agree with you that it turns out that like that did not hinder the movie whatsoever. In fact, it made it. Better. I think it elevated. Yeah, I was worried that it would be like, oh, we're so obligated to make it For set sure. in the Batman universe that it could have been a better. But it turns out that because nope. there, yeah, there was stuff that couldn't have happened had it not been the Joker that I think was really excellent and well done and really satisfying right. there's a weight to it like you know you're you're waiting to see him fully like put on the suit and put on the makeup yes and when he does it you're, you get scared because you don't know what he's going to do next if it wasn't that character there wouldn't be that same like that's yeah, yeah that's true because like, if then he put on makeup and a purple suit you'd be like oh, i don't know it seems like a joker ripoff yeah, <laughs> yeah. what's this wackadoo doing tyler what did you think about todd phillips joker starring joaquin phoenix well, when we heard the rumors, I was skeptical. I when we heard Joaquin Phoenix was being cast, I thought, "What in the?" When the, they were real, we realized this movie was actually being made. I thought, "This is so stupid." But then I saw that trailer, and it changed my mind. Then I saw the movie, and I was so impressed with it that I'm at a point in my life now where I want. <laughs> I want all comic book franchises to be like the Joker. I'm I'm sad if it's true that this is a standalone film because I want to see more from the DC universe in this same style. Well, it's making money, so you will. Yeah. I don't know (laughs) if it's going to be good, but they're going to do it. It's making money, so you will see them try. (laughs) Yeah. So next one's going to be about this kid who can run real fast. Yeah. You're about to get the gritty Flash origin story. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that any of The Flash like Raging Bull. It's going to be harder with other characters. Because they have superpowers? Do you see... The problem with 
DC's cinematic world is that they've got the one character that translates to cinematic filmmaking, which is Batman. And is the reason that Batman movies, the only really good ones have been Batman movies. Right. People love to go on about like, no, Superman can be good and like wax, wax nostalgic about the Richard Donner Supermans. Not, have y'all gone back to yeah, those? Yeah, they're not exceptional. They're nice because they're nostalgic. They're and in, not very good. Yeah, and in Batman's rogue gallery, I'm sorry to say, you've got the Joker. That's kind of it. Then it's over with in terms of no, his interest. But you've got Bane, but that Clay wasn't face. Bane in Dark Knight Rises. No, that wasn't Bane. You got to you got to put a clever twist. You on have him. to reinvent got, the villains after the Joker. You got the Penguin. You got a Crocodile Man that was in you Suicide do. Squad. He wants to watch me too. Scuttling down into that freaking water. <laughs> I went, I'm not even going to write that spoiler because I was like, don't even watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it, don't waste your time. Speaking of which. They really, I think DC, because this was so good, to Tyler's point, they shot themselves in the foot by shoving that freaking Harley Quinn trailer in our faces before this movie. Because I'm watching that trailer and being like, that looks real bad like Suicide Squad. And then I watch probably one of the best DC movies that's been made. And retroactively think about that trailer. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, probably. Top one or top two. And I'm thinking about that Harley Quinn trailer. And I'm like, that is so bad you have made such an egregious choice trying to make that movie and have it be promoted in front of this movie did you like that trailer tyler harley quinn yeah it's terrible harley quinn (laughs) the fantabulous emancipation she became an icon just bizarrely because of her booty uh, shorts well because it's margot robbie yes but but somehow people just gravitated toward her as a persona and she became the most popular halloween costume that year so it's well, that's because of her always comes back to the halloween costume you should have seen my, my point yeah. is that somehow somehow these these characters become big in popular culture even if the origin of the character is a garbage film so they said oh let's make another one around harley quinn because people people love harley quinn. quinn is an excellent animated series but mm-hmm. the film is garbage no one likes suicide squad so they made another no, film tell just you for said harley yourself quinn. in one of our recent episodes i laughed at it today you says to us you says there are people out there that are committed to watching bad movies and we all know they exist right that's what you said and here we are here we are sure they're, they uh, watch they're Suicide Squad. But yeah, they watch Suicide Squad. One, Birds of Prey looks so bad. <sighs> anyway. They need to do us the service of making a good trailer. I think that we need to do the service to Joker and stop comparing it to these bad DC films because it's out of their league. Well, it's, it's not. It's, it is out of their league, but it's very much within their intellectual property. That's true. That's true. What I appreciated about Joker is not so much its commitment to being a superhero film telling the story of Joker and Batman and the Wayne family and Gotham, which I I did. I got all those details. I just thought it was a solid film as far as the way that it dealt with socioeconomic issues and it dealt with mental health issues and it dealt with uh, even this theme of uh, it being a tragedy or a comedy. the way that it paid homage to so many layers of of comedic tropes 
I really appreciated. Even that way that it ended with him walking down the hallway and he turns right. And I thought to myself, I wonder if he's going to turn around, you know, that classic that was, scene yeah, of people fun. running back and forth across the hallway. And sure enough, sure enough. And you got Charlie Chaplin along the way and you've got all these, these other nods to comedy, dark comedy. I thought that it's just a smart, well-written, well-thought-out film. Yeah, like the title card after a great opening credit sequence with you get the uh, vintage Warner Brothers logo that starts yeah. the movie. Yeah. And then there's an opening montage with these kind of like flowery scripted opening credits as he's dancing on the street corner to promote this going out of business sale. Yeah. Um, he gets mugged by these kids and then there's this great shot of him splayed out on the sidewalk or on the in the alley panting as the camera pulls back and his <laughs> little lapel yeah, flower just leaks like, yeah. out water, yeah. as this yeah. title card with letters that go from the bottom of the screen all the way up to the top joker say joker of it, as yeah the, and then ominous and amazing score the score was amazing yeah yeah but there's so many parts about it that were um that were comedic very dark tragic it's walking that fine line between tragedy and comedy, but that were just clearly acknowledgments of, of old comedic um, references. Like they just had a little person that a coworker, little person in even the film at all was like, Oh, it's cause it's funny. But then they, they made it very dark when he couldn't reach the chain lock up on the door. Oh yeah. <laughs> when all that terrible stuff was happening. Yes. He's yeah. like, he had gonna to kill ask, me. He had yeah. to ask him to help him get out of the apartment. Oh, and he kisses him on the forehead. I saw that coming when they when he put the chain on. I was like, oh, no, that small man, Gary, maybe was his name, is not going to be able to get out of here. I thought that was going to be Gary's demise, was that he wouldn't be able to escape Joaquin. I didn't anticipate Arthur just being like, It was a horrible way like, to extend the tension of that oh, yeah. scene. Yeah. <laughs> Annoyingly, one of the best and most frustrating scenes because of that horrible CG blood. Yeah, uh, that was one of my only The one point I got pulled out The CG the blood movie. was truly horrible. Yeah. The Just CG garbage. blood in two sequences in particular, the the two big murder sequences, it looked not even remotely convincing. It yep. looked so fake that I was briefly taken out of the movie. They can put photorealistic apes on horses. Oh, gosh. Anyway, Mike's here. <laughs> Hey, hey guys. Oh, hey, Mike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's get these introductions done. Yeah, I'm here. I saw the Joker. I liked it. I uh, I have a couple issues with it, but... What did you think about oh, Here CG we go. Blood? Wait, what did you say first, Josh? Wait, was it the CG blood? It wasn't. That didn't... I, I've come to expect that kind of thing, so it doesn't take me out of it. Yeah, I think, it was, like, to Matt's point and then to Josh's original thought, right after Matt's point of the thought of being like, it's so anchored in the Joker that I was attached to what the Joker is in my mind mm. while the movie was playing. But thinking all along, like maybe this would just be better if it wasn't the Joker. But in hindsight, <clears throat> after seeing it and being away from it for days, I I'm landing somewhere. But the initial feeling was like, man, like maybe that would have been better had it not been the Joker. Because it's so... Just the character study doesn't have to be him. But then when it finally... he, Like when he comes out in the suit and everything, I don't know. I just kind of settled with it. And I'm like, no. Why do you think that you had a less enthusiastic 
reception when we were walking out of the theater a lot of us were glowing and just doting and fawning over one another in like religious celebration (laughs) yeah you were like i just thought it was meh because uh i think it i think i let it hit me a little bit harder than i thought i was going to it was uh super dark and um the trailer didn't lend itself to being as dark as it was i guess for me because they're playing this smile well, that song smile that's exactly yeah. why i thought i'm ready to smile yeah let me see this <laughs> he said put on a happy face yeah. yeah i think that that happens to me sometimes i come in with an expectation and it when it doesn't line up it's not that i i think it's bad it's that my i have to shift a little bit and maybe i'm not ready to get there that i'm there sense. now and i appreciate it but i'm i'm hesitant to bow before it you know what I mean? Sure. Right. Yeah. Sure. It's probably healthy. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to bow to a movie. How did you feel about the super rats? They were big. They and were I saw. Big. I noticed yeah. them. You noticed yeah. them running yeah. around, scurrying. <laughs> they were big old rats. Get a great. Uh, I don't know how y'all felt about the Batman elements incorporated, but I like one of the last few shots in the uh, movie is there's a montage of all the different things happening in Gotham as everything's falling apart. Right. And, uh, You're talking about Bruce Wayne in the alley? Yeah, and it shows yeah, Bruce it Wayne great. standing over his dead parents. This is really like painterly shot, and some of the super rats are running back and forth mm-hmm. behind him. I was like, well, that's really good. They there those the, rats they are. Stay true to the story. You mentioned super rats at the beginning of the film. They better show up at yeah. some point. <laughs> Chekhov's rats, and <laughs> those rats could have been fake, and I didn't I didn't know they looked so real, but not that blood. <laughs> anyway, Josh is here. What are your thoughts, Josh? Uh, I guess I've probably already given away, but... Uh, We've already been at this for a while now. We're yeah. 30 minutes in. Man, I loved the crap out of that thing. I think that I was surprised, like Mike said, pleasantly surprised that it had the audacity to be as dark as it was. I think Abby and I were going back and forth about it, and she was like... She was saying, I didn't think it was that dark, but what she meant by it is that like I've seen movies with more upsetting content in them. I'm like, it's not necessarily that it had the most upsetting content of any movie. It's just that it's relentlessly bleak Yes, mm-hmm. from the time it Doesn't starts. And uh, I, I read one. It gets one, bleaker as it goes. Yeah, it never lets up. And there's just nothing pleasant that happens in the whole runtime of the movie. And Except if anything well, starts to, they go back and yes. change it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. he went on that, that lovely date, and he got all the laughs when he did a stand-up comedy. Yeah, turns out those were awful turns things. That, that was all in his oh, crazy old brain. Real? <laughs> hey, let's talk about, let's talk about how um, either Todd or studios think we're freaking idiots. Because when flashback? he comes in out of the rain and they're sitting on her couch and she comes out mm. and asks, oh, your name is Arthur, isn't it? Who who has more than two brain cells needs any more explanation to understand that everything before that has been a lie. Like, I do not need multiple flashbacks of you showing me the scene with her in and then the scene without. I I understand it. I don't need you to do all that. That was pretty tacky and a little disappointing. They must have tested it or something. They they have to do that in most films like that. I know, but why? It would have been cool had they not. There's a very... Famous blog post from you where you describe what might be the greatest film of all time, parentheses, maybe. Yep. That film does the same thing. Yeah, but that 
it works. That's oh. not. That's not. No. In okay. that film, it's not oh, because it's assuming that you're stupid. In that film, it's for at that point dramatic effect, so you fully understand the yeah. depths of psychosis of Jack. And that was. I think in that film, in, they're trying to show you that no, no, it it worked. Right. He just had to do yeah. this. Yeah, yeah they you had to like validate. So. No, 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 it could have worked. In this film, it's it's purely lip service to idiots in the audience. It was right. a little. It was Get a little. It, it was yeah. a little tacky. You the guys, bummer. he she was never really there. The bummer is that the movie, elsewhere, is pretty bold in its insistence in being ambiguous. It uh, yes, and like after that scene where he walks away and it's just police lights in the window yeah, behind him. Are they, are they coming to the scene of what he just did? Did exactly. he do did anything? Did he kill What's going on? We don't know. We her, never find out. Could have. Maybe he didn't. Uh, the Obviously, a lot of ink has already been spilled about whether or not the movie answers the question of if he is actually Thomas Wayne's son or not. The movie gives pretty good suggestions that it right. could be either thing. I think we all need to go around and say definitively what it is. What's the answer to that? Or if the whole thing was in his head. Was it in his head? Was it in his head? Was it in fake? No, 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 no. Was it in his head? Was it in his mother's head, or was it all real? Because we know it wasn't all real. The whole thing where the whole movie might have been in his head when he's talking to. Oh, great! Now listen. It was all a dream. We'll do a flashback, and nobody exists anywhere. Yeah. Okay. There are no super rats now. Gotham is not real. I'm not fighting the super rats. They were there, obviously. But hear me out. The movie ends with him talking to his appointed worker at Arkham. Yeah. Whereas earlier in the movie, he says, I liked it better when I was in the hospital. And, and he showed a scene of him in the same suit, in the mm. same thing. And at point, he poignantly says, I just thought of a f- funny joke. She says, do you want to tell me? He says, you wouldn't get it. Is he talking about everything that happened? Because the movie oh, constantly tells us that he makes up scenarios where he's the hero. Dang. And it's not real. Oh, I like that. Right, but in the in the sequence of the film, we're meant to believe that he got arrested and sent to the Arkham Asylum. Right. But what makes me believe that the entire film is not in his head is that he's walking away with bloody footprints. Well, because it, he is a murderer. Well, well okay. he could still be a murderer. He could still be a crazy person in the jail, just thinking of these crazy things that he would be doing and being the hero criminal outside instead of being stuck in in Arkham. But Tyler, you're saying. The only reason he would have killed that caseworker is if all of the movie's events had transpired and he'd like fully plunge the depths of his own depravity. Yes. Yeah. There's no think, so you're saying there's no way there could be a different backstory that he's in there for a different reason and he's still a murderer. Well, we know he was in there for a different reason right. at some point. Yeah, yeah, he was in there for his for psychosis. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Uh, clearly, that's Patrick's thing diagnosis. is fun, but it's not. That's not it. The Patrick's movie trying to just make the whole movie. I think that's fake. an important part to consider because it makes the whole thing that he's such an unreliable narrator. You can't Dude, trust any of it, which is going to lead into what we're you're talk saying. To next. That the entire film is just Daniel Tiger playing make believe with us. No, and Joker. it doesn't exist. No, Daniel Tiger never kills anyone. Daniel, T- <laughs> <laughs> Daniel yeah. Tiger forces yeah. us but into sick, his brain. <laughs> we're transported into Daniel Tiger's brain, <laughs> and we're forced to live out his imaginary scenarios. I think that's what Joker's doing. I here. think the I don't film. Think it's a completely I think the film is trying to put that thought in your yeah. head where that's a possibility. I don't think that's a possibility. I think that. The, the film is more realistically trying to get us to question whether or not Joker is 
a Wayne. Well, that's for that, that's sure. That's part of it for sure. But it's just saying the whole time, like what of the what of the story is true and what isn't. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. Right. Well, we, we're playing that game with his with his scenarios with the least fake dates he's went on, but we're also playing that game with his his mom's scenarios. Sure. If yeah. this whole thing was in his head, why would he bother to fake dates with him? You know. Be like he's got layers of fake. Yeah, he doubled down. Like, doubled down on his in his imaginary <laughs> world. He's going on imaginary dates. Every now and then, he's got to be realistic with himself. You know, well, so that, those <laughs> ima- that imaginary date reveal was for us, not for him. I know, but if all that's but only saying, happening, if it was in all his in his head, head, wouldn't he be going on real dates? You don't know how what, like, they smart were real he is in him. there. They were real dates to him. <laughs> but, but if all of it was in his head, his imaginary self wouldn't choose to have imaginary dates. I think all y'all right. might just be scared. You're part of the No, obviously that's not in it. Real yeah. life. Yeah. All in Joker's head. The movie gives you some points that lead you to believe, obviously, that he's not really a Wayne. His mom seems unstable. There's real adoption papers. Or is there a conspiracy theory trying to make her look crazy? Yeah, exactly. That's that on, she was made on to the sign other those side. Papers. She has a picture from with Thomas Wayne's writing on the back of it. T W. Yeah. Much love. I look. Much I tried love. to look on the internet today to see if anyone had got a screen grab of her letter that Arthur finds and well, that to the, see if the handwriting is the same. Because that screen would grab would be just a photo of someone took in the theater. There's no that letter's not in the trailer or anything, so you have to wait until it comes out on Blu-ray well, to get that's a screen so grab. So far away. Well, you'll have to go see it again and Kate, take your camera out. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not accidental flash. I think that that part's fun. I doubt that either the director or co-writer actually have an answer. I'm sure that they wrote that Im- ambiguity into right. the screenplay on purpose. I'm sure. And I, what I like about it is that. Uh, when we were li- the whole movie is laced with this ambiguity on how you're supposed to f- feel, and it's one of those things that, like uh, a hereditary or like a mother, I love how it divides audiences because a lot of people have come out of the theater very upset, and not e- I mean, there's all this stupid socio-political stuff around it, but not even upset about that. They're upset because it's m- miserable and nihilistic and nightmarish. Oh, I've heard people are upset because they say it doesn't actually say anything. Yeah, but I think that like Which what is so odd yeah, that seems like a really strange a way for two reasons. One is that like it seems to me some people equate non-redemptive ending with no story. Yes. And those two aren't the same thing. Yeah, that's frustrating. And then, and, and the other reason is that, like, it seems to me, and not to say like it's because they're not smart enough, but the movie is just borrowing from uh, a different kind of cinematic storytelling, uh, clearly influenced by like uh, Taxi Driver or Scorsese movies like that, where it doesn't lend itself to the traditional arc. In a lot of ways, it is very traditional, but it's not like the. Here's these, these beats of a Marvel movie or something like that. And so they come out saying no story. It's like, well, that's not true. There's a very clear story. In fact, it follows a pretty traditional arc. It's very much a three-act movie, and you yeah. have an arc. And the problem is the end of that arc for Joker is the one of an antihero. It's not. And so people are like, well, no, it's not like a satisfying ending. I'm like, it is if you want a nihilistic, sad ending to things, which... And I how very about, much do. Yeah, th- speaking of, and the nihilistic ending, like, I honestly, when, after the sequence, the masterfully 
shot and acted sequence of him on the Murray Franklin show that concludes with that horrifying that was wonderful. shooting. And then there's a moment where he goes to the camera and he's, he tries to say Murray's last line. Never forget, that's look. And it cuts to the, the, you know, the color card. Yeah. And then the camera pulls back and you're watching all these monitors reporting on it. I kind of thought that was going to be the entire end of the movie. Right. And I was like, whoa. That's man. life. And then it got better. It gave like this yeah. huge operatic ending sequence with the wreck and the car and him standing up and doing his dance and on the, the mob. as Gotham yeah. Burns. Uh, I was like so surprised that it had the bold, the boldness to be like, that's it. It just, it's a very unhappy kind of movie. And a lot of people are like, you know, one of the guys that was with us that isn't a cinephile by any uh, stretch of the imagination goes, we're like, what did you think, man? He goes, Ah, I just hated rooting for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we rooting for him? Why well, do you think, have to root for him? Because that's how an anti-hero works. But I no, I get it. I just don't know why everyone feels like they're obligated to have to root for the the main character of a film. Well, I think it's the it's less of the for this guy. It's less of a question of whether or not he felt like he was supposed to, and more like a he felt inclined to empathize with him. Right. Well, there's a lot worth empathizing with. Yeah. Yeah, and then you part of you actually wants to see him take on this transformation and do something horrible right. yeah because you feel you want to see him uh grow and get better and you're like well i know where it's going so just get there because it's better than where you're at you know the, yeah <laughs> and even the film is empathizing with him the the angry mob was inspired by him because of the socioeconomic uh in inequalities in right. their society yeah and they needed a figurehead and they got one yeah yeah <laughs> Well, I, anyway, yeah. I don't know. He was just a... Uh, he, but he wasn't connected to that at all. And he had this great They just were looking for anything room. to yeah. grab onto. Which makes so it even more nihilistic right. because yeah, it's not inspiring and it's right. not... Right. They, were, they weren't following some charismatic leader. They were just like, we are angry. This will do. This will be the lightning rod for our rage. Well, that's... that's <laughs> That's uh, a great actual relevant commentary on on modern worlds as well because <laughs> we're going to get political here for a second. I'm sorry, Are our we? listeners. Is that people blame Trump for having created the, the unrest in our country, but Trump did not invent these things. Trump just is a figurehead for these things that already existed. He didn't create them. It's similar... Trump's similar with the Joker. More honest than most other but politicians. It, it, it's the same thing that the historians argue about Nazi Nazi Germany is that Hitler didn't create this hellscape. They, they no, he just took have, advantage of he it. He took advantage yes. of it. And it. They argue that it could very well have happened in the same way with a different person leading it. And so it's similar with Joker, and it feels like yeah. that's a commentary. He's just the Molotov here. cocktail. Yeah. Yes. He yeah, is, sure. and I like that he's in the it's like a bad place at the bad a bad place at the wrong time and when murray steps into the dressing room to say why do you have your face painted because at this point there's a march on gotham uh, with clown mask with clown mask yeah. inspired by the killing that he didn't do for political reasons right he just did and, it because he was scared yeah and uh he says like are you you know with the protest and he goes no i don't believe in that and he's like smiling he goes i don't believe in anything right and you're like, whoa, that's like yeah. kind of a... Yeah. I liked also how they didn't... Uh, he didn't defend himself about the killing of those guys on the subway and all that stuff. When he confessed on the show, you mean? 
Yeah, yeah, like how there was no, like, he had a, um, like, he was defending that girl and all this difference. Anyway, I just like that that just wasn't even part of it. Like, there was right, no defense for him. Like no one was going to be on his side. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he knew that. Even when he, he does, like, a, he does a soft confession to the uh, clerk at Arkham, yeah. and he says, uh, I did I did something bad, and I thought it was going to bother me a lot more than it mm-hmm. has, yeah. but I feel pretty good. And you're like... That doesn't seem like I thought the movie was a lot of movies like this that are trying to do a, a slow burn or a ramp up into the insanity will start to rush it. And you feel like, you know, they imply that he's going to go off his medicine. The funds have been cut. And then the next scene is right, that like he's, he's like, crazy. yeah, but this movie did this like really excellent job of drawing that out really long. And I thought like I heard people in the uh, audience not connecting with, but there were these little scenes where you know you have him alone in his apartment and he's just taking everything out of the fridge and getting in it for some reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is just like that, a, that doesn't seem like a good you know what right. i mean it seems like he's not doing okay yeah not doing well no <laughs> that's not, not doing that's well. not a healthy man that's choice. how you build that out slow <laughs> instead yeah. of like having him you know like scribbling kill them all on a yeah. sheet of paper or something well, like that they, just they, little they systematically removed uh structures of support from his life and mm-hmm. you think you keep thinking it starts smaller and it gets bigger and bigger creating this crisis in his life that he has to either acknowledge or somehow continue to um, ignore but I-, I thought leading up to full full chaos would be his mother dying i thought uh, that would be the last straw that really drove him insane but i was wrong they pushed it further and he killed his mother (laughs) (laughs) he sure did and he gives that great line about i thought my life is a tragedy and i said sure enough it's a comedy you're the one killing your mother now you're pushing yourself all the way into chaos and that was it that's where it turned for him yeah and he the the one red herring bit of the Thomas Wayne mystery when he's putting on his makeup and he finds the photo that says, you know, with love or whatever, TW. Love your smile. And yeah, and it's, uh, and at this point in the movie, if he's on the fence, he's already killed his mom, so that's done. Yeah. It's not but really on the fence. I think maybe he he's over the fence at this he point. He looks at it with like contempt and he crumbles it up in his hand. Do you think that was contempt? I thought that was regret. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of up to you, isn't it? Like he, either I, way, he wasn't. He didn't look. I happy. think that he looked at it and he realized that he had murdered the one person that he'd ever loved, the one person that had ever loved him, because of essentially a misunderstanding and the fact that he didn't believe her. Because how could she be telling the truth? Because his brain doesn't tell the truth to him. And well, I thought I, it was like it was a moment of heartbreak for him, and that's what pushed him over the edge. Was he's like, I've killed the one person that loved me. I have nothing to live for. Well, no, at that point, he, he's already... Re- <laughs> oh, that's not it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> he's already rehearsed. That was one of my favorite yeah. scenes where he rehearses his suicide, With his public knock, knock suicide. Knock. He does his entrance and yeah, sits down. And the, yeah. the way that that scene is crafted, we're watching him emulate what he's seen on the TV, which is, you know, at this point, par for the course with Arthur. And he sits down, and then the the sound design slowly brings in an imaginary mm-hmm. audience track into the actual film's audio so that he's interacting. We're hearing his imagination it's audibly. In his head, yeah. Yeah, that was super well done, and he acts out his suicide. And Yeah. What, what feels like to me more evidence to his adoption being real 
is um, that card he would hand people when he's having an emotional reaction to something. Usually, he's it seemed to be more of a despair, emotions of despair. He would sound like he was laughing, so we'd hand him that card, and he said, "This is just part of a symptom. It's a condition I have, similar to when someone has head trauma." And then they flash forward later in the film to the the paperwork, the documents uh, about his abuse that he experienced as a kid and so head, head trauma, trauma yeah. actual head trauma that he experienced, which could be relevant, what caused this condition. But that head trauma happened when he already lived with Penny because it was her boyfriend that had chained him right. to the radio. But we don't know that he had the laugh, pathological laughing yet. Or no, no, but, no, he got but the, the head trauma could have caused that and he doesn't remember any of that because children, when they are abused, sometimes... Forget, sure. They forget all of that. Their brains block it out. Coping it survival mechanism. To cope, yeah, it's a but survival mechanism. But I'm saying that the adoption side, because the uh, because that was all in the paperwork. He was adopted. He was abused. It was all in the news by her. She was she was his mom. No, she since she, she failed born. to protect him. She failed to protect as him. an adoptive mother. Yeah, mm, she I, didn't abuse him, but she failed to protect him. She didn't speak up for him. And uh, he he suffered that head injury, which explains his condition, the laughing condition that he has. Right, but that could have happened whether she gave birth to him naturally or adopted him. At what at some point when That's he was three or four, true. he was in her care. We don't know how he got there. She was a crappy mom, regardless whether she was either his adopted mom or his na- his birth mom. She was a garbage. Yeah, mom. it seemed like she wasn't. She up. was not disputing the condition in which he was discovered. She was disputing whether or not. He was adopted. Right. Because when she's talking to the d- guy at Arkham, to your point, Tyler, the guy's like, he, he was found chained to a radiator. He'd been severely abused. And she was like, oh, he's always seemed so happy. Such a happy little boy. She's not arguing with that. But she does say, he's like, it's, he's been adopted. The papers are right here. She's like, oh, he, Thomas had all that made up. Right. She even said, right. you know, to... I don't think that the, the question letter. of his uh, abuse... Well, I don't think his abuse was up for a question in the according to the movie's terms. Right. It was a question of whether or not right. she so we had him or adopted. We have some paperwork that is being validated by the the past and present experiences, mm-hmm. but other paperwork that's still in question here? Yeah. Okay. Well, because she says... So some she paperwork says, might be real and others might be planted. Yeah, you know, that's how the world works. Some things are real and some things aren't real. <laughs> right, but I'm, I'm talking specifically... And we don't know the future. She says to him in that argument over the letter, they made me sign some papers, which I think I immediately assumed was like an NDA. Yeah, no But it could have been... She was forced to sign the adoption papers. Yeah, that's true. If she could have just been... Also, she didn't seem she didn't totally seem well. sane. Right. No, she, no, she did not seem well. Cuckoo I think too. he's a Wayne. I I like it more. I don't how did think you he's guys a win. how did you guys feel about the ornamental Batman stuff in the movie? Did anyone have a the take last issue one was with kind it? of fun? The last the part in the alley. Oh yeah, sure. Well, that was kind of fun. That actually changes things because now Joker is directly responsible for Batman's parents 
deaths. Well, I mean, when, yeah, but when it's Tim alone, I'm okay. Yeah, and Tim Burton, he does it. Oh, did he do it? Yeah, Jack Nicholson, he's a young gangster. Dance with the Devil in the Pale Moonlight. I thought it was interesting that it created a scenario in which it made so much sense that this kid would go crazy, dress up like a bat, and really have a problem with the church. More so than any other film. This nemesis relationship makes total sense. And you know what was really cool about this is that it made the killing of the Waynes more consistent with the story of the movie because in all other iterations they're essentially mugged. Right. Killed. And the pearl image is a classic image that's in almost every iteration every of the story. But in this one, the second time I saw it, I took note of the fact that like these guys aren't killing to mug. They're like filled with rage. It's anti-rich yeah. sentiment. Right. And he says, you know, he quotes the what Joker's just said on TV, you get what you deserve. He shoots the Waynes. And he grabs at Martha Wayne's Martha <laughs> Pearls, <laughs> and he just breaks the string off. As Almost like as a symbol it. of yeah. Uh, yeah. de-riching de <laughs> right. her. Yeah. Instead of like in the past, it's been like this greedy, like they're just trying to get at the yeah, valuables. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah, I wasn't bothered. I liked the idea that like it was kind of interesting and weird that you didn't even have to be Batman. They could have just been characters in the movie. Yeah. His interaction with young Bruce was weird and at uncomfortable. The, at the house. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah it, it was an interesting thing when you know how the characters go. Interestingly, also in this movie, they get shot in 1981. One. Yep. Right? And Batman versus Superman, parents get shot in 1981 as well. Shoots. So it's totally exactly mm. a prequel. That was Batfleck. That's Batfleck. That's Batfleck. Mm. No, that kid ain't wanted ha- enough. Which means the- that this <laughs> guy is eventually going to become Jared Leto. Have you heard, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> have you heard the uh, conspiracy theory about Arthur Fleck's name? Why they chose it? I'd love to hear it because I read some because stuff that Todd said. Arthur Fleck would, with just the first initial, is A Fleck. Oh, yeah. So they think that they're trolling. I heard. Ben. I heard someone ask the director so about that, and he said, "Absolutely not. That's Sue's thing. I've heard. I wanted Fleck because it sounds like Speck, so it's something small and insignificant." Mm. Whatever. It's a good name. That's that's just perpetuating Affleck. the the Affleck trolling. He's I mean, small. And <laughs> I do like. He that. is not small. Everything is <laughs> an <laughs> affront to why Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the the most noteworthy thing about this particular depiction of the Joker because you've you've had kind of zany and off the wall. We've had the like uh, super sophisticated kind of anarchist and druggy version with Heath Ledger. This is the first depiction of the Joker that was like pathetic. It made him yeah. sad and pitiful. Right. Yeah. And because uh, the Heath Ledger's Joker is a very capable <laughs> human being, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a bombs. freaking he's mastermind. Yeah. He's seasoned. He's, a, a he's been at level it. Level genius. He's he's done his ten thousand hours. He's mastered his <laughs> his trade. Yeah. <laughs> he is. All those jokers. <laughs> all those jokers are proactive. This one is reactive to everything yeah. going on. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A good that's way totally right. He's because uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is entirely self-assured it's one of the reasons that he's so fun to watch because he's like assured of himself to the point that he seems no longer concerned about himself or anything else you know he gets thrown off a building and he just laughs all the way down or burns money that kind of stuff this uh person is very sad tragic kind of person i don't think that it would be interesting to learn heath ledger's origin story i think that would ruin everything this joker can't exist without he is only in origin story. It's yeah. satisfying to see him do That's one of the best things about Ledger's 
portrayal of the Joker is the the constant allusions to an origin story that are always changing. Like when he asks multiple people about, do you know how I got these scars? Yeah, a lot, a lot stories. like in this movie. There's we don't know. And the movie clearly doesn't want us yeah. to feel as though we know. Also, this brought Jared Leto out of the woodwork saying that he thought he should get another shot at the Joker. I think Jared I Leto think should you go had back chance. in the woodwork. He was still saying the thing about how they, they cut the stuff out of Suicide Squad that would really change people's minds. Oh, really? Oh, the stuff where he was sending like used condoms to his castmates because he was trying to I, be a uh, wackadoo. Today, Ugh. just today, I went back and watched some clips of Joker and Suicide Squad because I was like, heinous. I can't remember. It's worse than I remember. It's so bad. It's lying in That's that sad. circle of knives. <laughs> I forgot. We'll have to watch <laughs> <I forgot>. <laughs> He's talking to... <laughs> is it freaking... <laughs> is it Common or is it Dennis Redman, Rodman that he's talking to in the club? Common. Those are two very different <laughs> people. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Lady. That's your lady, Mr. J. That's right. <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> how much Patreon money would you need to get damaged tattooed on your forehead? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not enough. Nah. Or like a no. smiley face on the you know no. the back of your hand. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> not oh, so much. That. It's not so much the the word or the imagery, just the association <laughs> to the terrible Joker that would refuse <laughs> to do it. Oh man, I hope that this is a sign of things to come. That, uh, like like Matt said, is this cinematic experience. You walk out of the movie and it feels like you saw something like a Scorsese movie that doesn't really happen a ton certainly doesn't happen with big budget comic book franchise movies so here uh enjoy it while it lasts i guess that was probably kind of it mm-hmm. or do you think tyler that the suicide squad it's going to be on the level with the joker no it won't hold on and that's the one that james gunn's doing james gunn could be all right not james gunn is making better versions of popular comic book movies. He's not making anything close to Joker. Hmm. Wow. You love Guardians. I do love Guardians, but that's a popcorn movie. It's, it's not, not high cinema. cinema. Hmm. You and Martin Scorsese agree. I would do the damage tattoo. <laughs> On your forehead? <laughs> Thanks for listening to You Hate Movies. You know, it turns out that this movie was actually divisive, despite what you heard on this episode. Lots of people disagree with us, and you might be one of those people. So now's your chance to air your grievances. Tell us where we went wrong and how to get it right by leaving a comment on this episode at youhatemovies.com. While you're there, you might as well check out more than 100 episodes of these things, and a lot of them you will disagree with. Subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, and check out exclusive bonus content at patreon.com slash you hate movies.